Thanks, Amy. Um, so, this morning, kicking off our new Kingdom Culture series based on the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be a slow burn. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it because it is the greatest. It's even better than one of Larry's. It's pretty cool. Um, but Jesus calls us to follow him and only him. He tells us he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we choose to follow him, we are going to follow him into an extraordinary life that is countercultural to this world. And he's given us, through the Sermon on the Mount, a compass or a roadmap, a recipe. You can choose your analogy, whatever works for you. Um, scaffold, pillars in the desert, kingdom constitution, if you're that way inclined. Um, but the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' description. It's, it's what he wants us as his followers to be and do. And he teaches us how to be citizens in his kingdom. And it's really special that we get to do this as a community because you can't do this alone. If we have any hope of, of creating a kingdom culture in the world around us, we need each other. And I was confronted by a um, comment from John Stott in one of the articles I was reading over the last week. And it says this, For the extent that the church is conformed to the world and the two communities appear to the onlooker to be merely two versions of the same thing, the church is contradicting its true identity. No comment could be more hurtful to the Christian than the words, but you're no different from anyone else. How confronting. From the beginning of the Bible right through to the end, God is calling people to him. A holy people called out to belong to him, to obey him, and to be set apart from the world. In it, but not of it. This is how he explains it to the Israelites. I'm doing this, aren't I? Yes. I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, when you used to live, or where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Same God, our God, their God, same God. And now we are the people who are called to live differently. To follow his commandments and to not take our lead from the culture and the standards of this world around us. Thankfully, Jesus paints a pretty clear picture of how, um, how to usher in and participate and live in the reality of the kingdom here and now. All right, let me pray for us. That was just an intro. <laughs> um, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you that we're gathered here today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus' teaching. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit who is with us, helping us to make sense of what you are calling us into and asking us to be as your kingdom citizens. Amen. All right. So Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. Heard of those. <laughs> These are um, eight statements um, that identify eight char characteristics or attitudes of his that his followers should embody. And then they're followed up by blessings. You're probably familiar with them, but we're going to look at them anyway. I'm going to do it. That's fine. <laughs> it's my first time using a clicker. Bear with me. 
Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of my righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm sure they're familiar. Um, but before we go on and focus on today's passage, I just I think it might be helpful to explain that Jesus is not different discipleship types, or disciple types, sorry. They're not distinct. It is not that some are meek while others are merciful and yet others are called upon to endure persecution. No, it's not like that. It's each, each disciple is to embody all of this. Um, a kingdom citizen is meek and merciful, poor in spirit, pure in heart, mourning and hungry, peacemakers and persecuted all at the same time. All these qualities are to characterise each one of us. Not, not a select few, not an elite, but all of us. And we can think of them like the fruits of the Spirit. You know, the love, joy, peace, patience. You know those ones? Um, these are evidence, they're fruit of our fellowship as we become more Christ-like. All the fruits are to develop and mature in a Christian. It is the same with the Beatitudes. They describe the ideal for every disciple. So, but they are different from the gifts of the Spirit. So the gifts, you know, the wisdom, helps, prophecy, speaking in tongues, etc., etc. Um, they are distributed to different members in the body of Christ, the church, to equip us for different kinds of service. So when it comes to the, the Beatitudes, we are to seek and embody them all. And I just thought that was like worth um, talking about because I found that when I read through them, there were certain ones that I resonated with more. But if we keep it in mind, if we keep in mind that this is like a, a holistic um, set of characteristics, then then that's probably helpful as we unpack them in the coming weeks. Okay. So all that being said, let's look at today's passage, which is the first beatitude, and it's Matthew five verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First question that comes to mind, what does it mean? I think for a while there, I just thought it was somebody who was depressed or melancholy. That's what it sounds like to me. But um, apparently not. To put it simply, it's um, spiritual poverty. To be poor in spirit is to be people who recognise that we are spiritually poor and we acknowledge our dependency on God for everything. Other translations say this actually quite well. So the um, New International Reader's Version says, Blessed are those who are spiritually needy. There's a diagnosis that you can put up your sleeve. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. The NLT God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The NCV, they are blessed who realised their spiritual poverty, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. 
Eugene in the message says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. There is more of God and his rule. And the amplified, it's wordy, but blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy, to be admired, are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Being poor in spirit is the opposite of being self-sufficient or self-confident. It's admitting our total dependency on God. Jesus tells us, without him we can do nothing. And this is where the countercultural part comes in. I think it's obvious, but we're just going to unpack it anyway. Um, the kingdom values humility and dependency on our creator. The world values pride and self-sufficiency. I'll just share with you just a little, it's a light example. I didn't want to get too vulnerable. Um, but I think it illustrates this, this well. Um, like, but you know how you get invited to somebody's house and then, and then you text them, what can we bring? And they're like, nothing, just your beautiful selves. After I send back the vomit emoji, I'm like, beautiful selves. Um, I'm like, there's no way. Like, bare minimum, I'm bringing a bottle of wine and some nibbles and maybe something to have with a cup of tea after dinner. My attitude says, I am not turning up empty-handed and you will not provide everything for me. But then there's times when we've had a crazy week, crappy day, and dear friends have, like, noticed and have invited us over and I don't have the capacity to even consider, yet alone the time to go grab something to bring. And we turn up on their doorstep empty-handed and dependent on them to provide everything. It's pretty humbling. Blessing. It was, it's been a blessing to receive hospitality. It fills us with gratitude and, it, and we're thankful for their provision and for serving us. When we're poor in spirit, this is how we come before God. God, I don't have the capacity to bring anything. I am dependent on you for everything. That is what being poor in spirit is. There's something so freeing when we realise that we're not the source and there is no, and that when there's no expectation on us to bring anything. I really, I don't believe that it's a coincidence that Jesus started the Beatitudes with this one. This one teach tendency. Because I'm not going to hold back here, I'm not... I'm not the kind of mum that does that. I tell, I tell my kids straight. Um, but as we journey through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be confronted by some seemingly unattainable idea of morality that we can't strive to achieve in our own strength. Our only option is to approach this through our spiritual poverty, through our dependency on God to be our strength, to be our guide. There's a parable in Luke that illustrates this. Again, out of Jesus' mouth. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. He needs a trophy. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The tax collector, whether he um, realised it or not, he embodied the kingdom characteristic of being poor in spirit. And his blessing is justification before God. Now Jesus, oh, okay, hang on, take a step back. So we've looked at what it is to be poor in spirit. Now let's look at the blessing. I didn't want to start with the blessing because it's not about what we get, you know. <laughs> but Jesus is um, building a spiritual kingdom, not a physical one. One that's about heart and not possessions. Um, So just as the, uh, the character of a kingdom citizen looks different to that of a citizen of the world, so do his blessings. The world counts us as blessed by our possessions, our physical appearance, our popularity, our bank account balance, but God blesses completely different. When Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added, it's a promise that he will take care of our basic needs. But it's not a promise he'll add more stuff. He's not promising a bigger house or a fancy new car, trendy clothes and latest gadget or a bigger diamond as I once tried to convince myself. <laughs> um, these, uh, like, these aren't even blessings. They're, you worry about these things. And worse, you have to clean them. So surely, surely that puts them in the curse basket. Beatitudes are kingdom blessings or spiritual blessings. These actually look like the fruits of the Spirit. It's the ability to love more, God and others. It's patience with your little brothers. Or waiting on God's timing. It's joy in our hearts. It's the capacity to be kind to those around us. Our spiritual gifts, we each have one. They are a blessing. The Holy Spirit living in and amongst us is a blessing. The kingdom of heaven, inheriting the earth, being comforted, being shown mercy and being called children of God. These are kingdom blessings. Blessings and gifts that equip us for kingdom living, not worldly living. They help with that too, though, by the way. Um, these are the blessings available to us when we come to before God and repentant of pride, self-sufficiency, and with genuine humility, recognize our spiritual poverty before God. And that we have nothing to offer 
and can do nothing without him. The Lord tells us this in Isaiah. Heaven is my throne. You can read along. Oh, thank you. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where is my resting place? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favour, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. It is from this place of utter dependence when we usher in, live out and model the reality of the kingdom to those around us. What do we do with that? I am denied about this, but I'm going for it. Um, first thing we can do is begin by asking ourselves, when was the last time we, we humbled ourselves before God? Do you remember? Do you remember that emptied out, filled up feeling? Could have been five minutes ago, could have been five weeks ago, 50 years ago, never. There's no, there's no judgment or condemnation in this question. This is between you and God. And we just want to create a little bit of space now for you to consider that. And if you want to, respond to that. So these guys are just going to play for a little bit, lead us in another verse, and then I'll jump up and, and wrap this up. But just as you feel led, just quietly sit there and reflect on this question because this is, this is important. Being able to humble ourselves before God is pretty significant.
When we come to God with genuine humility and as people who acknowledge and recognise we're spiritually bankrupt, when we present ourselves as servants emptied of pride and self-sufficiency, God will bless us and use us. I just want to leave you with this final passage, encouragement. It's just going to... This is from the GNT version. It says this. That's the Good News translation, by the way. It's not the gin and tonic translation. Although, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just thank you. We just thank you of who you are. We thank you that you meet us wherever we're at. We thank you that you know us. You know our hearts. Just pray that as we go on this journey to empty ourselves out, that we just trust in you. We trust in you to fill us up and to provide us with everything that we need to be citizens of your kingdoms, your kingdom, <laughs> to be your disciples. May you bless us and keep us safe as we continue to unpack your teaching. In Jesus' name. Amen.